Hello, and thank you for joining us on Carlton Fields podcast. Today's topic is federal criminal aviation matters. And today we're joined by Edward Page, an attorney in the White Collar Crime and Criminal Investigations Practice Group at Carlton Fields and a shareholder in the Tampa office. Ed, why don't you start by introducing yourself and your practice area? Thank you, Ted. I appreciate the time. Yes, my name is Ed Page, and I practice in the White Collar Practice Group in Tampa. I've been a shareholder here for many years at Carleton Fields. And in my prior life, I was a state and federal and special prosecutor for Ken Starr. I'm an active pilot and flight instructor, FAA certificated flight instructor. And so I devote a good amount of my time to practicing aviation law. And in my aviation law practice, I handle a lot of FAA enforcement matters, including federal criminal aviation matters. And so I keep up with what's going on in the federal criminal aviation world. Uh, My father was an airline captain and mother was a flight attendant and flying is in my family's genes. And so this is one of my favorite areas. Great. In today's topic, we're talking about federal criminal aviation matters. Can you explain a little bit of what these are, where they come from, and how they get started? Certainly. So a federal criminal aviation matter is a serious matter. And it's serious because the pilot, the airman, the mechanic, the defendant in these can go to jail. They are to be distinguished from FAA enforcement actions where the FAA undertakes an enforcement action to impose a civil monetary penalty or to revoke or suspend the pilot or mechanics airman certificate or medical certificate. No one goes to jail in an FAA enforcement action. It's simply monetary or I'm going to take your pilot's license, much like In a DUI, I might take someone's driving license. Uh, That's the analogy. In federal criminal matters, however, the person who is prosecuted in federal court risks going to jail, uh, the imposition of fines and other sanctions and probation or home confinement, which is jail at home. It's It's a much more serious matter. And it's good to stay and avoid any federal criminal prosecution uh, because it is um, un, it's not a good thing to get involved in, is, like, is, is the best way I can put it there. And uh, what I've done is um, I have looked at the repository of federal criminal aviation cases where I go to quite often. It's at the United States Department of Transportation's website. And if you look there at the Office of Inspector General, you'll see cataloged under the link called in or titled investigations, uh, all the federal criminal prosecutions that have occurred uh, for backwards um, for a long time. And what I did was catalog and go through these cases for 
calendar year 2021. And that's what I wanted to cover during today's podcast. So can these cases be categorized or grouped? Yes, uh, very, very easily. And they get categorized or grouped by looking at the tool or the statutory violation that the Office of Inspector General uh, and the FAA investigated before they handed off the federal criminal case to the United States Department of Justice for prosecution. So these cases occur across the country. We have 94 U.S. attorney's offices throughout the country. And after the FAA or uh, OIG, as it's called, Office of Inspector General at the Department of Transportation investigates, gathers records, works these up, and hands them off to a U.S. attorney's office, they can uh, get further investigation and, and prosecute it. And the tool that the uh, Department of Justice uses are varied and many. And the tools that they use are found in, for example, um, Title 18, United States Code, Section 38, which is entitled Fraud Involving Aircraft Parts in Interstate or Foreign Commerce. It's actually much broader than simply focusing on aircraft parts. It uh, prohibits falsifying or concealing a material fact concerning aircraft or other kinds of parts, makes it a crime to materially uh, make a fraudulent material representation concerning any aircraft, and makes it a federal crime to use any materially false writing, uh, certification document record or the like uh, concerning any aircraft. So that's one of the big tools and into which some of the cases, federal criminal aviation cases, uh, prosecuted in 2021 fall. Another tool is uh, 18 USC 1001, which is uh, well known to federal prosecutors as the false statement uh, criminal statute. And that makes it a federal crime for someone to make uh, a false statement uh, of a material matter in a uh, matter within the jurisdiction of the United States, such as to the FAA or to the Department of Transportation or the like. And there are many other tools. Some are found in 49, Title 49, United States Code, Section 46317. Uh, these are kind of uh, just different statutes that investigators and prosecutors are aware of that they look to to that set obligations for pilots and mechanics and the like in the aviation field uh, so that uh, they can be uh, investigated and prosecuted if warranted. And what are the key takeaways from all of these cases? Well, some of the key takeaways are as follows. Um, number one, I wanted to talk about a, couple, a few of these cases, uh, but some of the takeaways uh, are as follows, and that is that pilots and mechanics put their careers and pilot and medical certificates at risk when they make a false statement or engage in fraud. Uh, they can go to jail, they can be punished and fined. Uh, they also expose themselves to fines and federal prison 
the gated community, so to speak, that we all want to avoid. Really, if you have a problem, it's best to consult with an experienced aviation lawyer, someone with aviation and federal criminal prosecution experience. But the timing is critical. It's like using a checklist in flying. You, you can't use the checklist after the problem has arisen or after the incident. You need to consult with someone before you fill out the form, before you submit to an interview, so that you are prepared and you don't uh, run afoul of federal law. Some of these cases uh, that I can talk about and will in this podcast involve the reverse, the opposite of what I just talked about. For example, one category uh, are what I call operational cases. These involve flying an aircraft and the flying of the aircraft gave a rise to the federal criminal violation as follows. This was in the United States of America versus Eduardo Aching, A-C-H-I-N-G, who was prosecuted uh, under one of these tools that I mentioned, 49 USC 46317, in the Southern District of Florida, down in Miami, for operating a commercial airplane with a revoked airman certificate. In other words, at the time Aking served uh, in this capacity as the pilot, he had no FAA pilot certificate that was valid. The government learned about this through one of the ways that we talked about before and undertook a federal prosecution uh, of Aking. Uh, another one or another example is the uh, Stewart case. This was in the Northern District of Ohio. And in that case, uh, Delbert G. Stewart uh, was uh, prosecuted for flying three times without a valid uh, airman or pilot certificate. And finally, we have the Gomez case. Uh, that's United States of America versus Nelson Gomez. This was a prosecution, a federal criminal prosecution in the Eastern District of New York. And Gomez uh, had provided flight instruction without a valid flight instruction certificate and as a result had falsified student logbook entries on it was alleged 30 occasions using uh, a false or expired flight instructor certificate and omitting required information. Sometimes people in this area call these paper lies. Uh, but this really arose in both ways. This was why I called it an operational case because it involved flying and providing flight instruction and then not properly documenting it as a certified and valid flight instructor at the time. And the tools there are, were, as I mentioned, in the federal code. The next uh, category of violations are what I call the false statement or fraud. And there are several varieties in here, but it's easier to talk about the actual cases than to talk about the federal statutes involved to give a flavor for what's involved here. The first one is United States of America versus Cole Allen Peacock, another case from the Southern District of Florida. It was a prosecution under 18 USC 1001 which is the false statement to federal agency statute. And this was uh, Peacock allegedly making false statements to the FAA 
on an application for an FAA student pilot certificate. And the false statements arose allegedly because the application for the student pilot certificate did not disclose previous felony convictions as the form required. Somehow, some way, the government learned about this, investigated and undertook a federal uh, criminal prosecution of Peacock. Another one is United States versus America versus Christopher Lofel. This was a prosecution in the Eastern District of North Carolina. It was again, a prosecution under the false statement statute, 18 USC 1001, but in addition, it also used that other one that I summarized, 18 USC 38, which is fraud involving aircraft uh, parts. And in this case, the gentleman lawful made false statements to the Department of Transportation Office of Inspector General agents about maintenance to an aircraft, payment for that maintenance, and knowing the owner of the aircraft. In addition, it was alleged that there were forged signatures of the airframe and power plant mechanic involved regarding a 100-hour what's called airframe inspection. And then finally, in this category, uh, there's the Hathaway case. And in Hathaway, this was another prosecution in the Southern District of Florida, and it was alleged in this indictment that Hathaway had made on six different occasions false statements to the FAA on an application for what's called an Airman Medical Certificate and Student Pilot Certificate and had failed to disclose multiple convictions uh, for felony offenses. There are a couple of other cases there involving uh, that fit in this category, false statements and fraud. They involve false, uh, they involve, excuse me, flight instructors uh, using, for example, a flight instructor number to sign off on a student's logbook, even though that flight instructor number didn't belong to the person doing that sign off on the logbook. And then finally, uh, there's the Norwood case, which was in the United States uh, District of Utah, where false statements were made on a medical application called MedExpress, uh, indicating that the person had never been diagnosed with a mental disorder, in this case, PTSD, which was diagnosed by a psychiatrist in violation of, again, 1001, the false statement uh, statute in federal criminal law. Finally, the third category that exists out there is uh, the big one from actually January of 2021. This was probably the biggest federal criminal aviation case to come down in many, many years. It involved two crashes of Boeing aircraft 757s. And this was the Boeing case uh, that involved uh, a crash in Ethiopia and another crash uh, before that. And the allegation there was that Boeing uh, had conspired in violation of Title 18, United States Code Section 371, to defraud the United States um, 
by lying about the 737 MAX's maneuvering characteristics augmentation system, MCAS as it was called, to influence the FAA's determination about whether flight simulator training would be required of crew members concerning this new 737 equipped with the MCAS system. A great movie to summarize what occurred here is now on Netflix and it's called Downfall. Anybody wanting to learn more about the prosecution and what happened to Boeing here and what occurred uh, can watch uh, Downfall. But to give you an idea about how serious uh, this federal criminal prosecution was that was resolved through what's called a deferred prosecution agreement in January 2021, we can just look at the end result. And the end result is that Boeing was fined $2.5 billion. That's billion with a B, not million with an M. It was a big case. It involved two crashes, as many know now, and was a very serious uh, prosecution. And it also involved a spinoff prosecution of the individual Boeing employee uh, for um, his activity involved in dealing with the FAA and, and, uh, and the like. Okay. Did you want to provide any other key takeaways for these cases? Yes, I do. Uh, other than the couple of ones I provided before, um, it's really important that the airman, the pilot, the individual involved in a potential uh, criminal federal criminal aviation matter, spot this. You're, you're gonna be able to spot this before you sign the law book, log book, before you submit your medical certification application called MedExpress to the FAA, before you speak with the DOT OIG people. It's imperative. You'll have that airman, that pilot, that person, that individual will have a feeling, okay, about that interaction. I call them intersections with the FAA or the government. And it's vitally important that the person, before they deal with the FAA or the government, seek qualified and competent and trained representation from someone who's experienced in this area so that they can prepare them for the interview if an interview is to be granted uh, and to find out what happened and to assess risk uh, for the pilot, the mechanic, or the person involved before they squeeze the toothpaste out of the uh, tube and the lawyer has to fight to get it back in, uh, so to speak. So it's important to consult ASAP about these matters and not to go it alone. It's what I call the co-pilot rule. You need as your co-pilot, in effect, uh, an experienced aviation lawyer to help you navigate the risks here because they can be tremendous and it's no fun to participate in one of these. It's even when these are just civil enforcement matters, there's a huge emotional impact on, on the pilot or the mechanic and the like, and one that you won't want to engage in again. I think it's also important to look forward uh, because this area of federal criminal aviation matters is evolving and changing. 
And what we're seeing now is the FAA and the Department of Transportation through the Office of Inspector General focusing on what we've all heard in 2021. It's really a pandemic kind of creature, and that is the unruly passenger. I'm handling an unruly passenger case right now, and the risks here are, will it stay a civil enforcement matter, or will it turn into a federal criminal aviation matter? And that's the risk uh, in all of these unruly passenger cases uh, that the Department of Justice is now scrutinizing to deter others uh, from engaging in an unruly passenger conduct. Well, great. Thank you. That was very informative. Um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss about the uh, these criminal uh, federal criminal aviation cases? The only thing I would say is that to sum up the tools that the FAA and the Office of Inspector General and the Department of Justice have at their discretion are varied from the false statement statute to the fraud involving parts statute or the statutes in Title 49 that make it a crime to fly an aircraft without being properly registered or to operate an aircraft as a pilot in command without a medical certificate or a pilot certificate. Uh, there's no really void here. They've got the all the bases covered with statutes that range from in Title 18 to Title 49 and elsewhere to capture uh, crim potentially criminal conduct. So it's better just simply to avoid this uh, altogether and to save yourself a lot of heartache. Great. Thank you. What can our audience do to learn more about these cases or who should they contact if they have something that requires this legal expertise? I would ask them to give uh, me a call here at Carlton Fields in the Tampa office. If I'm not the right tool in the box, I'm going to send them to the right tool uh, the, because I'm connected with uh, lawyers throughout the country from my uh, 40 years of practice as a white collar lawyer, both as a prosecutor and as a defense lawyer, we're going to get them to the right person in their area if need be, if, if I'm unable to work with them and counsel them uh, and help them out through this uh, process. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields.